This week on Ultra 64, lock your S-foils in attack position because we are playing Star Wars Rogue Squadron, and may I just say, pew pew. Pew pew pew, pew to all of you. Welcome to Ultra 64. We are the internet's comprehensive Nintendo 64 podcast. Each and every week we are playing a different randomly selected game from the Nintendo 64 library and we're taking to the skies and we're teaching them Imperial Bastards what for. I am Steve Porkins Guntley. My name is Woody Siskowski and I can shoot womp rats from a long way off. That's that's my quote. <laughs> that's not bad. That's not bad. Who else is joining us to talk about Star Wars? I'm Josiah Coolidge and I'm so excited to play a good game on this podcast. Oh my god, we've made Josiah suffer through so many sports games and Vigilante 8s and various other things. So welcome, we're this glad to exciting. have you here. And I'm, who else is here? Yeah, I'm Dan Reese, and I see this as uh, payback for having to play Battle for Naboo. Yeah, yeah. And we, having we, to watch The Phantom Menace. We've yeah. had Dan play, I think between the two of you, we've made you play some of the worst <laughs> games. Maybe Nicole's had it worse. Rosie's definitely had it best. Because <laughs> uh, she always comes in and just shows up, oh, you're doing Banjo-Kazooie? I can do that one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so today we are talking about Star Wars Rogue Squadron, and firstly, I need to ask you guys, how is the view? Because we are way out here on the cutting edge, four white guys talking about Star Wars on a podcast. What? What? Clear out that new frontier. It's I'm putting up a time. cabin. Yeah. It's about time white guys had a chance to discuss Star Wars on a podcast. Never been done. I do Careful of the ground. It's been broken. Yes. Oh, yes. I have seen Star Wars a few times. <laughs> once, well, or, once or twice. Yeah, this is we, we're playing a one-player game here with four people, but I'm like, we need to get Dan and Josiah on here because the fact that I have been been talking about Star Wars multiple times without these guys on here is a travesty <laughs> because I don't care that much about Star Wars. <laughs> and so let's get in two ringers who do. Yes, absolutely. So yeah, this is the uh, fourth and final Star Wars game we're talking about on this show. And they've run the gamut. So we've had one that was surprisingly very, very good, which is Shadows of the Empire. That one held up great. We had one that uh, was not very good, and that was Battle for Naboo. And then we had one that kind of split the difference, like... Not as great as you remember it, but uh, it's fine. Star Wars Racer, it's fine. Not great. It's not as good as you remember. But today we're talking about Star Wars Rogue Squadron, and this is probably the most, one of the most acclaimed Star Wars games ever. Uh, this is definitely always held up. I think it's been kind of topped by its sequels, but this is always like a really big deal, and it's one of the most acclaimed Nintendo 64 games ever, too. So I'm excited, to get, and I've never played it until today, so uh, I was excited to talk about it. I think before we get started, I think because uh, we have Josiah and Dan here and they're going to have opinions, I think we should talk about what is new in Star Wars since the last time we discussed it. So, mm. quite a bit, because the last time we discussed it was in November, and since Can then... I just say, yeah. th there was a vast gulf of time where there was nothing new in Star Wars. Yeah, it's, yeah we years, really do need to appreciate years that we can and talk Years about would it. pass when the best you could do was read a Timothy Zahn novel. Yeah, and now it's less than six months later, and we have so much shit to yeah. talk about. Like, in that time, we've had... The first season of The Mandalorian. Oh my We've God. had the final season of Clone Wars. You're referring to the, the TV show yes. 
Baby Yoda and Friends. That's the one. Yeah. Yoda babies. Um, yeah, so we've had The Mandalorian. We've had a final season of Clone Wars. We've had uh, Jedi Fallen Order, the, an mm. excellent video game. We've had Rise of the Skywalker, the quote-unquote last movie in the Star Wars trilogy. Yeah, we'll see. And uh, just so many more things coming up on the pike. So, okay, I'm, in the interest of not having this become one of those podcasts... <laughs> Let's have quick uh, roundtable, one-sentence opinion of Rise of the Skywalker. No, thank you. Um, no, thank you is one. <laughs> stop picking on me. <laughs> I liked it. Um, uh, I had a nice time with the Disney trilogy. Oh, Woody. Big, Woody, big, big hairy, big hairy okay poo-poo. That. Big hairy poo-poo is my sentence. That's, yeah. that's, my, uh, that's my sentence. But you know what? We won't, we won't, we won't no, no, litigate Wait, it. can I revise mine? Yes. The worst opening crawl start of all time. <laughs> the Dead Speak. No, the Dead Speak was great. The Dead yeah. Speak. What is this, a newspaper? Like, yeah, it was a newspaper. No, Pal, sorry, that's got his own podcast Extra, now. extra. The Dead Speak. <laughs> hey, give me that. Give me that, kid. Wait a second. There's nothing wait. in here about the Dead Speaking. In, in the crawl, we referred to, uh, to a podcast that the Emperor has, but they don't actually play it for us. <laughs> I want to hear his opinion something. I don't. <laughs> My also, next guest is a dirty rebel. It's yeah. very jarring to hear characters that never in, interacted with him go like, it was Palpatine. It was Palpatine the whole time. Like, yeah. Oh, what, uh, a name we didn't really he hear. Even bored. We didn't hear that name until the prequels. He was just the Emperor in the original series. Yeah, yeah. And now we have to care that, okay, spoiler alert, raise a Palpatine because everything sucks. And they just kind of threw Last Jedi under the bus. That's a big problem I have. I'm not going to harp on it. I'll go on all day. Oh, I'll go on all It'll day. be okay because they'll make a hundred more. <laughs> but they yeah. will. As for, keep making as for what's coming up, that's still, we're, we're weirdly kind of up in the air with that because Disney's in a weird place where, like, all of these movies have made a shitload of money, yeah. but no one's terribly enthusiastic about them. Like, I love Last Jedi. I think it's one of the best in the series, but, like, fans hate it and they turned against it. So, like, I think there's a lot of good stuff in these new movies, but... Like, no one seems to know quite what to do with it. But they had a lot of plans, and some of those are still going. It so. feels like The Mandalorian's kind of a good route in the yeah. sense that they're, A, getting it into a different medium and sort of breaking away yeah. from these sort of main trilogy well, They're and telling a different story, different kind of story. It's a very genre thing. Uh, they're also having a lot, like their their uh, galaxy's edge is at the, mm. the. Oh yeah, the theme park. Like they're yeah. they're doing theme parks stuff. Like Disney's going to find a lot of ways. Yeah, you don't you don't need to be making movies to be making money from Star yeah. Wars. Th- there will also... be more movies, surely. But I think I think they hopefully will learn the lesson that we don't need to hear the stories of these two families anymore. I, I think also. You know, whatever anyone feels about the trilogy, I think it is a good thing if Star Wars stops pretending to be something so special yeah. that, like, we have these insane expectations. Yeah. And if we can go in and be like, okay, it's going to be a fun... I know like that. The, that's the same why. thing of just general Marvel movies? Or, like, I, I think I think James, James Bond might be a better analogy because, like, there can be... I don't think people really get upset if there's a bad James Bond mm-hmm. anymore. They're just like, okay, we'll just wait for the next one. The next one will probably oh, be better. You know? And there's still that sense of, like, are we going to get more Star Wars? Yeah. Like, it was yeah. a big deal when the prequels were going to come out and people were like, 
crap. Those yeah. sucked, and that's all the Star Wars we're going to get. Right. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I think we should just adopt that James Bond model. It's like, okay, I mean, there's a lot of these. Some of them are good. Some of them are bad. But, like, it's still exciting for them to come out. It's I'm still fun to see them. I'm buffet-style Star Wars where I'll, I'll take this TV show, but I'll ignore that movie. That works for me. Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. that's definitely the, the best way to handle any of that, right? Is to go, like, okay, maybe some of it's not for me. Han Solo movie, but, uh, you know, people can enjoy it. You know, my dad fucking loved Solo. He was like, it made me feel like watching Star Wars again. And I was like, you know what? Honestly, if that's what makes you happy, like, awesome. We should all have our moment of having that. Absolutely. Well, let's talk a little bit about what's potentially on the horizon. So there were rumors that there was going to be a, uh, they had a a release date of 2022, and they were going to make a Star Wars spinoff from the directors of Game of Thrones, D.B. Weiss and David Benioff. (laughs) They have since dropped out. Hey, they decided to do that alternate reality Confederate show, right? Oh, right, which was also canceled. Oh, yeah, yeah, good, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, So they they dropped out, and so Disney currently has a release date with no movie attached to it. We'll see if anything comes out. There have been rumors of them trying to court Taika Waititi to come in and direct a movie. Uh, he has shut those down. Yeah, the robot. He he did not yeah, want think, anything I think to do he with said, that. He said, "What I've seen Star Wars." That yeah. was it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, and I mean, oh, yeah. not as his favorite. They said, "Oh, are you making a Star Wars?" And he said, "I know what Star Wars is." He really apparently he's passed in favor of doing uh, writing, directing, and starring in a Willy Wonka TV series for Netflix. That seems very much more up Waititi's lane. Oh yeah, I, I don't know. So, I mean, the future is a little uncertain, too, for there was also an announced side trilogy of movies that Ryan Johnson was going to direct. But, I mean, given the way that Rise of the Skywalker (laughs) kind of threw everything he did in the garbage, I don't think that's likely. Plus, he's kind of working on Knives Out as a new franchise, Mm -hmm. which I think is a better use of his energy. We like that. Um, so I kind of be surprised. Right now, uh, the best thing Star Wars has going for it is The Mandalorian, which um, had a very strong first season. Uh, it's oh, definitely it's getting so a second good. season in uh, October of this year. Uh, and there's apparently also going to be a spinoff based off of uh, Gina Carano's character in that. She played a oh, bounty nice. hunter in one episode. Uh, there's also going to be a rumored uh, prequel series set in the Rogue One universe. Diego Luna was supposed to come back and reprise his role. And finally, Ewan McGregor is officially on board for an Obi-Wan series on Disney+, Plus, but that doesn't have any kind of development schedule in in place yet. Is it just the period where he's just hanging out in the desert alone? I think so. I, I think It's Obi-Wan's masturbation adventures. <laughs> I think most people are kind of hoping for someone someone from the past comes to to kill the the evil you know spawn of Anakin Skywalker right. and Obi-Wan has to protect him does Obi-Wan go to the desert at the end of the prequels yeah like so you you see him in the desert yeah not he, all he hands it to to whatever the Edgerton one of the Joel, Ed, Joel yeah. Edgerton yeah. and uh and yeah yeah and, and then but yeah, takes his don't, place don't bother to change his last name nobody's gonna come looking for him <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly yeah I mean but does I mean I guess we have to assume there are adventures that happen after he drops off that baby. I mean he doesn't just go to the hut, right? He's got another thirty. I'm years sure they'll find a way to get. I him. mean whatever Luke was doing on that water planet, Obi-Wan was doing the same thing, yeah. drinking the milk from those weird cow things, <laughs> whatever the Tatooine equivalent of that is. Yeah, yeah. Well, There's I'm sure Obi-Wan was milking Jawas. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are they even mammals? We don't know much about Jawas. Never get under that hood, do we? Yeah, it's literally all nipples. You 
you lift that thing up, it's but just endless nipples. We did learn from the Mandalorian that they love an egg. They love a good egg. <laughs> They're like Frank from Always Sunny in that way. I, I think the most alarming thing about Mandalorian was when he just like annihilated a bunch of Jawas. I was not expecting that at all. And he started like throwing them off sand crawlers. Yeah. And like, yeah, you did Holy that too shit. when we were playing Rogue Squadron. That's you just came down you and like, go hey, some Jawas down there. No, no, no. You were, that was me. Oh. <laughs> don't, don't, you know, don't take, Sorry, Josiah. don't take credit from Dan here. Well, that's a perfect segue, I think, to talk about this game today. Uh, Star Wars Rogue Squadron. This was released December 7th, 1998, developed by Factor 5 and published by LucasArts, and this was also released on the Windows. Uh, so Factor 5 is a very interesting company. We discussed them briefly for Battle of Naboo, but I want to talk about them a little more in depth here because this is kind of their signature game, I think. So Factor 5 was founded in Germany in 1987, and they got their start kind of porting side-scrolling shooters for the Amiga over in Europe. Uh, they found some very early success with the, the Turrican games. Have you uh, played those? Yes. Yeah, they had a very small release here, but they're apparently more popular in Europe. The Turrican 2 for Super Nintendo is one of the most valuable games on Super Nintendo. No just shit. as a random. I did not know that. They? They're like Contra knockoffs, like huh. side, side-scrolling shooters. Yeah, you're a robot man. Robot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're, they're pretty fun. Yeah. Um, it was never huge over here, but uh, they did make them, uh, they, they helped them catch the attention of LucasArts, who hired them to do Indiana Jones' Greatest Adventures for the Super NES. Uh, which is fantastic if you get a chance to play it. It's kind of think Super Star Wars, but with Indiana Jones. It's great. It's a lot of fun. Uh, and that kind of showed uh, LucasArts kind of what this company could do. And they basically became an unofficial part of LucasArts after that. Uh, they moved their headquarters to California to be closer to Lucas and his buddies. It's very... Uh, Who doesn't want to be closer to Lucas and his buddies? Sure, yeah. Uh, the company's first foray into Star Wars was with the 1996 PlayStation game Rebel Assault 2. But uh, this was the game that really established what this company did best, and that is 3D flight combat simulators. Uh, and that's kind of what they did since then. Unfortunately, things kind of took a turn for the company after there were some internal struggles at LucasArts. Uh, so they had to go over to Sony and start pitching there. They were hired to develop a game, uh, a very ambitious launch game for the PS3 called Layer. Uh, so this was a dragon fighting or dragon flying combat game set in a fantasy universe, and it was going to utilize uh, motion controls, mm-hmm. which were the red hot trend of the mid 2000s. That'd be kind of an interesting little offshoot of a podcast to do is this sort of early motion control thing, or yeah. like just general gaming fads, because there were a lot of games that just kind of had these things thrown in. Like I'm trying to play the Castlevania game for DS. I think it's like. Uh, Portrait of Ruin or something, oh, yeah. or area, I don't know, the sorrow is involved somehow. Oh, yeah. But there's yeah. this really annoying mechanic where you have to fight a boss, and then this little design comes at the bottom, like in the middle of you fighting the boss, and you have to trace it really quick yeah. to do the finishing hit or the boss recovers health. And, like, it, my finger doesn't work. So no. I have to be playing the game and then pop out the stylus really fast and trace it. And I'm like, why is this in this game? Or there's the Ratchet and Clank game for PS3 where you have to like oh, yeah, the, arrange the laser by tilting your controller. Or control a uh, whirlwind, I remember, one of the weapons yeah, that you do that. Ugh. Are there still games that use the light gun, or is that a fad of the 90s? Oh, man, I love, I love me some light gun. That's kind of hard um, to say because virtual reality stuff is a lot like it's kind true. of the next evolution yeah. of light gun games. No, there's there's not really a light gun for the new newest console generation. No, it's I a mean, shame. The virtual last reality one... was also a fad in the 90s. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, that's... It, it, that, I'm surprised that that actually has had as much staying power. I know. They, they keep trying. They, they keep trying. Same with 3D. Every every 10 years yeah. or so, someone will try again. It's also funny in that if you play like 3DS games that came out near the end of the lifespan of 3DS, it's just like that slider does nothing. They don't bother <laughs> yeah. anymore. I mean, they released like a 2DS, which is just like the same thing. Yeah, yeah. 
All right. Anyway, we're talking about Layer. We're talking about game. Layer. Layer is kind of looked back on now as a pretty major, uh, major boondoggle. Uh, the the game went on to cost more than twenty five million dollars, and it took them three years to develop. By the time a game hit the market in two thousand seven, it had missed its projected window by more than a year, and the ship had already sailed on six axis controls because they had. Uh, negative response from its use in Uncharted and the first mm. Uncharted and like the Ratchet and Clank yeah. game you were talking about. Pretty much Sony acknowledged very quickly that six axis was not going to be the way forward. They just need to stick with what they do best. And that kind of screwed over this game that was developed solely for motion controls. Nobody wanted to play it. It didn't sell well. They didn't market it well. And it basically killed Factor 5. They're technically still around, but they're locked up in lawsuits with former employees forever Oof. and ever. Um and they had to cancel a bunch of promising-sounding games. They were going to do a reboot of Kid Icarus. Mm, they were going to do a reboot of Pilot Wings. They were going to. They do would a, do. A, they would do a very good reboot of Pilot <coughs> Wings. They would do a great. They were going to do a Superman game. All right. They could have been the ones to crack the they code. They could have had the cutting the edge ring, super, ring flying super technology. Super the best ring flying yeah. you can get. Look, I'm just waiting for Layer 2, okay? Yeah. Uh, any, this any one's going to cost $75 million. It's going to take eight years. <laughs> layer 2. It'll be worth it. Layerer. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so that's enough about Factor 5. I think on our uh, Battle for Naboo episode, I, I erroneously, this is a fact check in myself, I said that uh, this was the best-selling Star Wars game. It's actually the third best. Oh, it's readers behind, didn't uh, write in and catch you. I know. You, you, readers, you, guys, you let us all down. You assholes dropped the ball. Um, it's actually third. The best-selling is Shadows of the Empire and then Racer. But this is still no slouch. This is the 22nd highest grossing game on the system. That's 2.2 million units. And that puts it just below Mario Tennis and just below above 1080. So it sold very well. Let's talk a little bit about the story in this game. Um, much like Shadow of the Empire, this game takes place in between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back. It explores Luke Skywalker's career as a combat pilot before he started his path to the Jedi. So the story here is kind of loosely based on a Star Wars comic book series just called uh, X-Wing Rogue Squadron. And that ran for 35 issues in 1995, and that was mostly all about Wedge, Wedge Antilles, who has kind of been this really stalwart supporting character in the Star Wars universe since A New Hope. Wedge comes back in, like, Rise of Skywalker right at the end, and you're just yeah. supposed to be like, yeah, Wedge, woo! Yeah, yeah, and yeah. He's like, very beloved. He came he's... in, and I'm like, do I know that guy? Wedge Maybe. is Maybe. Okay. Yeah, yeah, He's in a lot of comics and a lot of Star shows, books, and yeah. yeah, I feel like everyone loves Wedge. Yeah, and he, I, he, for some reason, when I was younger, he was my favorite character, and I never really could identify why. <laughs> also, for what it's worth... He's ahead of the curve. Yeah. I, uh, I work at the library. We get a lot of kids coming in with weird names. Yeah. Never met a Wedge. Never met a Wedge. Which is huh? surprising. I kind of yeah. I kind of like that name because you can be an homage without being an openly super weird name. Yeah. Like, well, what do you can name your kid like, Wedge? Maybe I will, Josiah. It's just fine. To stick it to you. <laughs> yeah. As long as you'll get me for that one. As long as people don't think you're naming it after the salad, you should be good. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm naming it after the uh, little plank that goes under cabinets to hold them up. Oh, perfect, perfect. Naming yeah. it under, oh, Maybe after an incline. The type yeah. of golf club. <laughs> <laughs> your your son Wedge. Your daughter Simple Machine. Yeah. <laughs> pulley, rope and pulley. <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, weird random fun fact about Wedge Antilles. He's played by Dennis Lawson, who is the uncle of Ewan McGregor. So oh, that runs cool. in the family. Fact. I knew that he family. had an uncle because when he was filming the prequels, they had to get him to shut up because he would make lightsaber noises while filming. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty cool. Wait, so how did that point that he had? Oh, I guess, so I've seen interviews where they asked him why, and he said, oh, I've always loved Star Wars. My uncle was in it. Like, oh, Star Wars okay. is my thing. I thought thing. you just like, meant that was very uncle-like so yes, yes. behavior to yeah, like, I didn't, make I didn't connect to that, yes. Yeah. I read an interview where he said, this, <laughs> this is why I love it so much. I, I mean, there is, I do have to admit, some very small part of me which 
would want to be behind the scenes for the prequels, if only just to see Ewan McGregor going... <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I would hate every other moment of it, but just to see Ewan McGregor was great in those series. No, yeah, he's so. the one thing you say from it. Uh, Laura Dern apparently did that, too, in Last Jedi. Whenever she had to shoot a gun, she would go pew, pew, pew. They had to tell her to stop making the noise with her mouth. So that's adorable. I, she did that in that. Marriage Story, too, right? She did, yeah, constantly. Yeah, she had yeah. laser gun. I don't get it. It seemed out of character. Uh, it made sense when she did it in Wild at hey, Heart. Hey, it but, you won know. the Oscar, Steve, so it who did, are you? To question uh, I'm not choices. questioning. I'm not questioning. Next year, everyone's going to be doing well, it. Well, it definitely was a big part of Blue Velvet as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. So at the outset of this game, uh, Luke and, and Wedge uh, form Rogue Squadron, which is an elite crew of 12 of the best pilots in the galaxy, and they're charged with some of the Rebellion's most dangerous and important missions. Uh, we don't get to see all 12 of the other soldiers by name, but we do get bios on a few of them, including uh, Dak Ralter, Wes Jansen, Zev Seneska, and Derek Hobie Clivian. And these all do not sound like space names. Uh, Dak Ralter sounds like a space name, but everyone else sounds like just Midwest. They really go in, and the biographies are kind of funny because they really go in depth with a bunch of information that you yeah. don't care about. Yeah. And I'm like, are one of these guys going to be charged with murder later? And you have to like look through their bio to find the clues of who to accuse. Different kind of game. Yeah. Oh my god, I want that. Yeah, a Star Wars game, like I a do Star feel Wars like, like the name Hobby. I think is said in the original series. Wedge with the name, I think, is said out loud. Some like this is definitely stuff that is is rooted enough in the original series that it made sense for them to be building these comic books. And I believe there were like scholastic early reader books oh, around, yeah. around the Rogue Squadron. So there's a lot of these, like, this is exactly the sort of marketing thing that Lucas was trying to set up where you could build a whole series out of whatever background character or whatever ship you see in the background. Yeah. So did, did this whole storyline survive the canon thing? Do you do you have information about that? Because I'm wondering know. if when they did Rogue One, was that supposed to be like, hey guys, remember Rogue Squadron? Like, well, we're bringing it back for you. That's the interesting thing. Okay, because I'm going to spoil the end of this game for everybody, but uh, the, the end of the game is kind of a special bonus mission that takes place. Everything takes place between uh, New Hope and Empire, but the last mission takes place uh, six months after the events of Jedi. Uh, you're playing as Wedge in that one and not Luke, and you're now the leader of Rogue Squadron. And you have to go on a mission to hunt down and kill Palpatine's clone, who is apparently alive on the Sith homeworld. Uh, so that is something that does come back in uh, Rise of the Skywalker. But not in the movie, right? Like, that's just come to light now, right, as this idea? They Cause... just kind of, yeah, this, the Star Wars team keeps doing, like, J.K. Rowling stuff yeah. and, like, <laughs> I literally had an article targeted to me by SEO, which I don't know why SEO thinks I'm really interested in this, but it's like, apparently the Emperor never did have sex. Yeah. Because everyone's (laughs) like, how can we, uh, how did Ray get born? And it's like, well, he was from a clone. Yeah. Don't worry. And and the premise was like, this was what was important. It's like, who did the Emperor have sex with? When did it happen? You clicked on the story and learned more than I did. I I also had seen this, but I, I, I guess I had just thought, heard the part about him being a clone but i did wonder if if ray is his granddaughter that means somebody decided i want to be with that guy right and that's a weird step to take just to make the universe sexless like like it's aggressively like everyone has like no genitalia whatsoever sexy before he got zapped by his own lightning in the prequel speaking of things that don't need to be explained we (laughs) thought he was old he didn't need to be electrocuted to look like (laughs) that 
Well, and also they were telling yeah. us the, the the new retcon of Rise of Skywalker is that he he looks that decrepit because he's in a clone body. It's his it's his oh, mind and it. force powers in a clone okay. body, and it's degrading because of that. I, it couldn't just be that he's exceptionally old. Yeah. that he looks. Like I, that. I did really enjoy. There was a moment a couple weeks ago where one of the Star Wars official whatever pages said like. Did you know that the staff of all the the Star Destroyers were um, Exegol people who had defected from the from the get and and I think it was Elijah Wood retweeted and was like, no, how yeah. would how would how we would know, know that? <laughs> Why you would didn't we know that? Tell us in the movie. No, we don't know. There's no way we would have this information. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, so in addition to the uh, Luke and Wedge, we do get a couple other characters in the series. I mean, Dak is a character who is he, – he dies in the beginning of Empire. He's Luke's co-pilot on the Hoth run. So some of these – and their pictures in the manual are of the real actors. So I think they took the surviving squad members and just gave them names. But you also get General Riken, uh, who you meet in Empire. He's like the commander of the Hoth troops. You get Crix Maydeen, who is a, uh, a general at the end of Jedi – and in this game, you get to help him defect. He was an Imperial soldier, and you have to help him with an escort mission to get him over to the Rebellion, where he becomes a very effective leader. Um, and we had a few other Star Wars cameos throughout the game, like, hey, really bad Bobo Han Solo coming in and saving you during one point. And clearly not anybody resembling Harrison Ford. <laughs> but you know what, though? We all did have a little second of, like, oh, that's the Falcon. That's pretty cool. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It, oh, it no, still gets rad. you, sort of, even though then, then it's like, hey, I'm Han Solo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you like, know me, Are kid. You? <laughs> they had a decent enough Luke Skywalker image. Yeah, he was pretty good. Um, I was wondering if it was Mark Hamill, and then one of you all was like, no, obviously they didn't have to pay Mark Hamill to... The only, like, semi-celebrity voice they had in this, I looked it up, was uh, Olivia Hussey voices the villain in this, and you might know Juliet her. Juliet herself. Juliet from Franco Zeffirelli's Romeo and Juliet. She I was remember in Black her Christmas. because she was one of the few times I got to see boobs in school. Yes. Mm. Yeah, that was a formative moment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They showed us that. It's like, it's okay, kids. This is art. So you can watch these boobs. Which was also a little creepy because I think she was like 15 or 16 when she shot that yeah, movie Yeah, but we were like yeah. 15 we or were also 16, 15, 16. So. so just don't be watching it now. Yeah, yeah. So the yeah, only they, thing that was creepy was the nostalgia you guys yeah, had. Yeah. Oh, yes. yeah, 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 we just yeah, made yeah. it creepy. We made it weird. Yeah. So since yeah. we're on this topic, uh, Josiah, when was, did you ever see boobs in school? As, like, I, th- I think so, but I actually think it was... Uh, Probably the Crucible was the one oh, I saw at the, the, the very beginning Davis. of that. Yeah, yeah so yeah. you know, for me it was good the times. movie Masada, which for oh. some reason the you see the like the Roman general is hanging out and he has some lady hanging out without her shirt on. <laughs> Not relevant to the plot. Wow. <laughs> I, I remember watching, this is so off topic, but like my middle school teacher once put on uh, the movie Liar Liar to try and oh. keep us like quiet. Uh, not remembering the scene in the courtroom where they play like a very loud, explicit, like audio recording of sex. <laughs> and that happens and the teacher like is panicking, trying to turn the TV uh, off and settles for just standing in front of the TV like that's going to block the sound. <laughs> like there's, there's nothing visual here. We hear everything. We just now are conflating it with an yeah, uncomfortable no, looking teacher. Yeah. yeah, the best part is that teacher somewhere is probably still going, oh my God, that one day. Oh that God. Just, she really? probably listened to core shame memory. Oh, this 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 was a male teacher okay. who uh, was fired the next year after kidnapping his daughter. So, oh, no. uh, yeah, yeah. I grew up yeah. in Redneck, Holy really. Shit. I grew up in Redneck City. 
Um, okay, let's talk more about this. Game. Let's get him on the podcast. Let's get him in. No, let's get him in. No, that's I'm good. He's he's dead somewhere. Uh, <laughs> anyway, the gameplay in this game. This is a uh, yeah. Let's get back on track. This is a uh, uh, it's an air combat game. It's like a mission based air combat game, similar to Battle for Naboo, except you're higher off the ground. I think that one kept you more low to the ground. Um, so your mission parameters are usually spelled out uh, throughout the mission. They evolve and uh, they, they change depending on what you accomplish. You can refer to these at the start menu, um, otherwise, which I recommend. Otherwise, it's a little unclear. But they do generally break down to shoot all the red dots off your screen yeah. and save the green dots. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a, uh, well, weirdly, this is a single player only experience, which I was kind of surprised at. Um, and not just because we have four of us here, <laughs> um, but like... This seems kind of tailor-made for like some some kind of fun dogfight multiplayer combat. I, I don't know. I mean, consistently that sounds like a good idea, but when you actually play those kind of games, they're just not fun because most of it is spent like accidentally flying past the other yeah. person and then making these wide swings, and you're both doing it, so you're like, where are you? Well, you need some kind of trick mechanic. Like yeah. Crimson Skies did this very, very well because you could like loop-de-loop and flip around real quick, and you can you could have more persistent shooting. This game doesn't really have that. You can't really do stunts or tricks like that. And There's no doing barrel rolls, No, Pepper would tell you. Exactly. And I think based on the way that this game was kind of chugging, I think maybe it probably couldn't have handled uh, two screens of this going on at one time. So, yeah, the what you're describing is a lot like the PC games, X-Wing and TIE Fighter, mm. and then X-Wing versus TIE Fighter. Uh, and they definitely had that, that you're, you're frequently just like constantly spiraling around to try and get somebody in your sights. It's a little bit more dynamic, at least the the versions that I played, where there's there's more going on. But yeah, I think if you were trying to play against a person and really targeting that person, it would be very frustrating. Yeah, the way to sort of get that experience now, if you're really into Star Wars and you like that kind of dog fighting strategic mechanic, is actually to play the uh, X-wing miniatures game. Oh yeah, um, yeah. because that basically it's kind of like a Robo Rally style of board game where you sort of plan out your moves ahead of time. But and then both of you execute them at the same time, so it's kind of about anticipating where the, your opponent will go and things like that. So if you like spending inordinate amounts of money on miniature figures, oh god, yeah. um, then there's that so might many be of those. Then you have the benefit of having a bunch of miniature figures. <laughs> the of... quote-unquote benefit. Yeah, I mean, yes. I have millions of yes. miniature oh, figures. Oh yeah, yeah, but... yeah. I got a closet full of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you see um, where we're taking where we're recording this? Podcast? Oh yeah, yeah, look at all these damn amiibos on the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, let's talk a little bit about the weapons and vehicles We really vehicles need here. to invent a board game that you can use with Amiibos, like, right, Ooh. like Heroclix style cards for all of them and give them special powers and numbers. Let's do yeah, this. Yeah, I'm pretty actually, surprised they haven't. I assumed that's kind of what they were for at first, but... There really well, are You can scan them in your game for no reason at all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. cool. Like, yeah. I, I wish there were more games that kind of took advantage of their functionality. The only one I could think of is that Animal Crossing, like, Mario Party knockoff, where you can use Amiibos as your figures. Oh, yeah. But, there, like, there was like plays a, that? There was a Disney one for a while yeah, too, right? That Disney you could like anything. plug it into a little thing and then have yeah, that character that, in the game. That wasn't Amiibos; those were Disney. No, Infinity. no, yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah, but it was the same sort of. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy actually, because Amiibos sort of got came about when there was that whole Skylanders and Disney Infinity yeah. phase, but they never made a game that was just like the Amiibo game. No, and you like. That's what they need. Is like you can scan them in and then play a bunch of mini games with them or something. That'd be amazing. Just, Let's get on this. Nintendo, are you listening? Copyright, copyright me. Ah, beat you, beat you. <laughs> yes. Oh no, ah, mine. 
Um, okay, so the weapons and vehicles in this. Uh, this you get to uh, choose your web your vehicle at the beginning of the match, but you can't always use every vehicle depending and on I th the. I think you have to unlock more. So mm -hmm. with the first time you play each mission, for a lot of them you just get an X wing. Yeah. But then if you do well enough, you'll be able to use like the speeder or the A wing for that same mission. Yeah. Um, the vehicle selection is pretty limited, but I really appreciate that they kind of went to detail. Or it went to the effort to make these look series accurate and fly yeah. series accurate like i love being able to like open your s foils on your x-wing uh to like get into a combat position like that's kind of awesome and you can do that with a button press um and then so in addition to the x-wing you also get uh, an a-wing which is uh, fast but it's kind of lightly defended you get a bomber uh the y-wing which is slow but steady and uh you get a low altitude air speeder which has the tow cable and you have a v-wing air speeder which also which i think only appeared in extended universe stuff yeah. i don't i don't know yeah. the v-wing and i think for a couple um, missions if you do well enough you can fly the millennium falcon yeah 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 you well you get you can get the millennium falcon through a cheat okay um and you can also get just like in battle for naboo uh sound designer rudolph stember hid his 1969 buick electra in the uh, game. Oh, that's cool. Okay, par party, pardon the dog interruption. Pardon the dog party. Anyway, so yeah, Rudolph Stember's 1969 Buick Electra is in the game. I think you need to use a, a Game Shark to unlock it, but it's there. Uh, and interestingly, this game has a Naboo Starfighter uh, hidden in the code. Totally uh, and, anachronistic. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like very generation much. too late. They'd be like, my well, glasses up on my nose. That's well, like how people kind of restore old Camaros and stuff. Oh, like, yeah. Like yeah. one okay. guy who's like, yeah. man, that's the coolest but ship you, ever. But you don't restore old Camaros to take them into battle. Like, well, maybe <laughs> you don't. Oh, well, that's true. That's the, true. Rebel, the rebellions had to, the, the rebellions, the rebels <laughs> had to make do with whatever gear they had access to. It's true. They were, so they were scrapping. Lucky organization. But yeah, they hid this uh, Starfighter in the code. And this was a full like six or seven months before anyone even saw the design for this. So then when Phantom Menace came out, LucasArts released a code, I think in Nintendo Power or something, where you could unlock the Starfighter. But if you were an enterprising hacker, you know, you probably found it months earlier and you got to see the first glance of that yellow sperm that mobile we, that thing. That has endured and we all love so dearly. Everyone's yeah. favorite design of a ship that you could pick your tooth with. <laughs> uh, it's fantastic. Do you remember Do you remember in the movie when that child flew the ship on accident and oh, accidentally blew up the big ship? What a dumb child that was. <laughs> and, yeah, Stupid child. Wasn't, yeah. <laughs> that was Dan's favorite part of his favorite movie. Everyone's favorite. You blew up the big donut ship. That's right. So, uh, so tell me, guys, uh, what was your impression of uh, your hands-on playing with the game? How did it feel? Was it fun? Was it easy to control? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm, I want to start. I feel like the thing that this game starts with is the presentation is is good in yeah. this game. Like, I, I mean, that's kind of what Star Wars all s starts with. Is the feel is like. Does it graphically like look like a scene of the movie? Does it look like mm -hmm. this big space battle? Do you kind of have that John Williams score going? Yeah. Um, and I think that this game does. Like the ships look pretty good. Yeah. I, I mean, actually, I would say the ships look really good. They're they're um, big and detailed compared to Battle yeah. for Naboo. Yeah. I think the planets themselves are maybe a little lacking in detail. Um, but yeah, both the ships you fly and the Tie Fighters look good. They have really good laser yeah. sound effects. Sure. The TIE Fighters look good if you're close yes. enough to see them, but there's definitely some draw distance stuff where even if they're well within shooting range, but like in the middle distance, it's just some kind of blocky. You can tell the difference between the bad guy ships and the good guy ships, which is nice, but they're not sharp. Like, well, it's no. just not... And especially we played a night sky level and they were basically invisible. It was oh, yeah, really yeah. hard to see, but I don't know. I'm, what are you going to do? You know, It's, it's, you you know, know, it's 22 years old. I understand yeah. that. 
like one of the we should talk about that distance fog because one of the big complaints about this game at the time was that it had too much of that fog which is why they overcompensated with battle for naboo they removed all the fog but then they lost all the detail you know and they just made these big green expanses you could see forever but there's no reason to see forever you know in this one uh you know I'm, i hate the distance fog more than most people and this did not bother me it looked pretty natural mm-hmm. it was kind of defining the area that you needed to see and the rest could be kind of like brushed off as atmosphere or like fog of war or something you know like i think my issue was uh the radar it just was not very intuitive and didn't seem very wide like it'll show you the red dots of tie fighters or things that you need to shoot but only when you're like pretty close to them um, I just wanted it to be a little wider. I want more sort of clear indications of where you want to go and where the enemies are, like a flashing light over to one side or something like that. And I feel like that is a thing that would have been changed if this game was made now. Mm. Is because the gameplay here, there's a lot of time of being like, go over here and defend this area. And you're like, I don't know where that area is. Yeah. Or like you're tracing, you're with your squad and they're like, all right, we're heading to town, and they like go this way, and they're like, follow us, and you're like, I don't know where you're going. Yeah, and I think it's a trade-off because I don't think I experienced any like running into an invisible wall, which I really appreciate. No. And that's always was so annoying when you're like, yeah. wait, I can't go any farther. But on the other hand, yeah, sometimes I'm flying around going like, okay, I don't know what I'm doing, like yeah. just kind of flying. So I, there's a balance there for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like a lot of that would just be the radar. And another thing that I think... This seems a little early to bring this up, but I think it's important. This game is hard. It's really hard. Um, yeah. It's really, really hard. We, 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 oh, um, very exciting story. We were going through our history with this game. We're like, Steve, have you ever played this game? No, I haven't played this game. Just, have you played this game? Oh, I remember playing it very briefly. Woody, have you played this game? Yeah, I ran in and played this game. Sorry, I don't know why. I'm, this is my impression of all of us. This is really very, good. Yeah, Woody really does dead talk on. to himself yeah. off mic. And then we're like, Dan, have you played this game? And he's like, no, I have never played this game. Not and once. Not once have I played it's this accurate. game. I said and the then truth. we booted up the game, and the first save game on there, Dan. The only person named Dan in the world that this could have been. I'm, I'm telling you. So we're calling you out on your lies, We're Dan. putting the hot lights on you. Okay, but there was another one that was, like, called Pot, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. We, know, we know how much you love to smoke pot. <laughs> Just smoking the pot. That was with, your alternate ego. With the third character, Bam. I know you and Bam Margera <laughs> yeah, Bam like Margera, to smoke yeah. pot. Yeah. We've say. got That's you all you figured out. after you smoke your pot. <laughs> Bam. Bam. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, but the advantage of that, <laughs> yeah. thank you, Dan, was Dan that had you unlocked had unlocked many levels. So even though we played, it wasn't Dan; it was Dan in real life. Okay. It was the guy who sleeps on pancakes. Yeah, different guy. It was actually yeah, right. Danny McBride's copy of the game. And <laughs> it found its way to you. I was gonna. Never mind. I won't tell my super boring <laughs> Danny McBride story. Carry on. Um, the advantage of that was that. We got to go through each level that Dan had unlocked for us, even though we were failing levels pretty yeah. consistently. Oh, yeah. We yeah. didn't get stuck. We, we, we tried. We tried. Four, we, four grown men, we tried. <laughs> we tried. The, the first level we beat on the lowest possible uh, medal. We get medals at the end of each uh, level, based like gold, silver, or bronze, based on how well you do. And, and I, one uh, thing I really like about the medals is they make it very clear how to get a yeah. better medal. So yeah. we, oh, got, yeah. we got a bronze, and it's like, okay, the steps to silver are you need to complete it a minute faster, and you need to kill five more ships. Yeah. You need a minimum. There were a couple right. different metrics too, things like saving your saving your companions and stuff. Like they are trying to sell to tell a certain story about this team, this yeah. like crack squad. So I don't know. I, that, there that was interesting, and and the fact that there were more metrics than just 
how and many you shot. And that's just really, I mean, that to me is like good design because it's so shitty when games are like, you got a bronze. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're like, great. How do, how do I do better? And they're like, oh, we're not going to tell you. Yeah, just yeah, no reason good. to know. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The the medals are fine. Um, I I do think the the detail that you get with the ships and with the land kind of takes a toll on the frame rate. We talked about yeah. it a little bit, but the game does chug. It's it's definitely a little uh, got a little bit of slowdown, and sometimes yeah, like we said, the enemies are very very pixelated until they come into focus a little bit. So it's and a little hard to tell. I don't know. There then was a time pop. where I shot down a Tie Fighter, and then another Tie Fighter just popped right in front of yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, just kind of appeared. I mean, so there are definitely some technical limitations, and I do think a lot of that can just be laid on the technology of the time. You know, I think they made the best possible game they could here, but like there, there are some issues that kind of slow it down. Well, like the hangar of the ships, I just looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's it looks like basically as good as you want your Star Wars game to look. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. when you sort of set them out in action, things kind of take a hit. Yeah. Um, as is true in all video games, escort missions suck in yeah. this one. Uh, that was the worst. We do have to do that once in a while. It was a designed escort mission, too, because you're escorting a convoy, but there's, like, there's several convoys, or they're in different locations. And they move yeah. so much so slower slow. than you. And so slow. There's no well, way. That's, that's how escort missions are. I know. Oh, yeah. They're always too But, slow. like, I was zooming ahead because I'd killed everything that was bothering the convoy, so I'm, like, zooming ahead to see if there's anything else I should be expecting. I think I flew for, like, a good 30 seconds before I ran into it anything and when i did it's just like your convoy is dead it's like mm-hmm. what what they're they're way behind me okay now i know why they died because they were way behind me and i wasn't looking at them but you know still that's that's your your plane can't fly as slow as these things are crawling so you're constantly doing these loops and it's just a pain in the ass it's no fun but the dogfight missions are a lot of fun they're yeah. they're quick uh they're action packed it's not terribly difficult to shoot down enemy planes, which is nice. Like it's. I mean, not they don't take like, much damage, but it can be hard to hit them. It can be hard yeah. to hit them, but that's the whole challenge. You don't need to worry about like you know uh, doing a certain amount of damage before they go down. Well, and uh, I I appreciate that it it it's actually fun to shoot down ships. Like they they don't just kind of explode. They do the thing in the movies oh, yeah, where, where they hit like one twist wing around and they spin and, they and make, right, make yeah. the cool noise and the you probe joys make noise. And he screams. Yeah, I definitely think that's. I mean, the the best thing about star good Star Wars games is you get all the sounds and you get to see yeah. yourself it shooting down Tie right. Fighters. And yeah, it just it's cool. Like, you want to feel like you're there. Yeah, yeah, and I think this has that effect at least a little bit. And you I know? think one of the uh, advantages this game has over Battle for Naboo is it felt like the first levels of Battle for Naboo were just so boring. Yeah, because there's like a couple droids just kind of flying around on speeders and go shoot them. And like this, you're trying to rescue this down ship, and as soon as you get to that area like a bunch of TIE fighters come in and you're kind of surrounded by them on all sides. So it feels a lot more intense and like you're not kind of having to wander around to find the excitement. I am kind of curious to go back and replay a little of Battle for Naboo just to compare and contrast because this does feel like it's a marked improvement over everything they did in Battle for Naboo even though this came first. This feels like dramatically better in my mind, but I'm just wondering if well, like maybe I need to play them back to back. Dan brought up the excellent point that a lot of that is I mean, a lot of the joy of this game comes from the attachment of the sound the sounds and the presentation of the original trilogy. And in Battle for Naboo, you're associating that with the Phantom Menace. Well, but yeah. even if you had watched and somehow loved the Phantom Menace, the stuff that they're doing in the Battle for Naboo is not shown on screen. Like it's <laughs> yeah. a bunch of cars that then, you know, you know, whatever vehicles that you maybe see once, but th- that's not what the action is in the film. Yeah. 
One thing I did miss from this game, and I kept trying to find it, but I think it was because I played the GameCube game a decent amount. Um, the GameCube uh, Rogue Leader game is a pretty marked improvement over this one, certainly in terms of presentation. Oh, yeah. And I think that they had a mode where you could go into the cockpit and kind of bring down a little flight computer yeah. that would highlight the other... Um, the TIE fighters and sort of mm. color them so it was easier to see and I kept looking for that button. Yeah, yeah I definitely was also surprised because that's kind of the other one I mean you see those shots in the cockpit it's it's really in the movies it's really perfect for what oh, yeah. you want to experience yeah. well, and of and course since then they've done that in other games and it's the best it's so cool and they were clearly taking inspiration in this game well the developers have said they took inspiration from the original Star Wars arcade game which mm-hmm. was all about oh, that yeah. trench run you know and is all that about the Atari like that. one with like the little it's uh, all black and white it's, it's like a graphic yeah okay yeah, I yeah. just played that one for the first time yesterday that was great I played so. that one so much there's only so the Death players. Star run in it right it's just the Death yeah. Star run well I mean you gotta shoot some TIE fighters yeah oh yeah but no. yeah, it's just that bit, and it's all vector graphics, and it was my first like 3D-like experience with a computer game. It was my that game is very cool. I was just I was in an arcade last night. They had like a Star Wars corner, mm. and in one corner they had the Star Wars Battle Pod, which oh. is the this sort of huge pod that like the sc- you go in and close it behind oh. you, and there's this huge screen that sort of goes above you and takes a, a large Cost portion. Six dollars a game. It was two dollars a game. Oh it, yeah. Um, it's the same one they have. At our local arcade it's those same like battle for hoth um and it just happened very fast and it kind of made me sick being in there because all the action is above you and it feels like your chair is moving yeah but i don't think it is it's the same way that imax feels like you need your space legs what do you yeah yeah so i played it and i'm like okay i'm done with this and we played it for about five minutes i'm like sick of this and then i played the atari 25 cent game yeah much more fun oh yeah, yeah yeah did you play the uh return of the jedi uh land speeder arcade game that they came out with no. Oh man, I think I've only ever seen this in one place at this like uh, uh, arcade bar in Denver, but it's like the entire thing is just the land speeder sequence uh, on Endor. That's cool. And it's a 2.5D game like uh, Zaxxon or Paperboy. It okay. kind of looks like that, and you just have to like dodge with actual like uh, land speeder handles yeah. oh, on the cool. arcade. It's really cool, and I've only ever seen it at that one the place. The one I remember playing as a Star Wars arcade game is the one where I it, I think it just has one joystick, yes. but there's a lightsaber battle. There's a lightsaber, and, and then there's a flight. I don't know where that one is. Oh, God. I thought it was the one at our arcade, with like the same no. as the Battle Bob, but it's not. But it's, that it's, one's just, is that no. one just the it, Death Star, the walkers, and then yeah. the... Yeah, yeah, the that, Death Star, yeah. that one's only no, a flight. It, that was just it's, called Star it's Wars kept Arcade. At the uh, the Diamond Center Mall in Anchorage, Alaska in oh, 1996. Great. <laughs> oh, great. Oh, cool, great. Cool. So we will take our road trip time machine. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Is it, stay tuned for our new movie. It's called Podcast Time Machine. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, Starring like, Danny you... McBride. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, do you want the address or the coordinates? How would you like to? <laughs> <laughs> All right, a little bit more about this series. Uh, so like you said, there were two direct sequels to this game, both for GameCube. Uh, Rogue Squadron 2, Rogue Leader, was released in November of 2001, and it got immediate critical acclaim and was a huge, huge hit. Uh, it's often featured on a list of like the best ever Star Wars games, and that's the one I've played the most of this series. It's really good. It, it, it is the kind of sequel that makes it tough to go back to the mm, original, just because it sure. does basically the same things, but better. Yeah, yeah. And then Rogue Squadron 3 was called Rebel Strike, and that wasn't quite as well received, but it's still totally a solid game. They, they added a lot of on-foot segments right. in that game, which weren't quite as popular, but you do get to do the thing where you like... You get out as Luke, and then you you uh, grapple up to the top of the oh, uh, walker and slice its belly open. You can do that in the game, which is fun. Um, I think people are just burned out on Hoth. Like, I think they've so. done Hoth so much, and it's cool, but like you can only We've tow hoffed. cable around those AT-ATs so many times. 
Um, so Factor 5 was working on an HD re-release of all three games for the original Xbox, uh, and that, that project got canceled halfway through after management changed at LucasArts. And then they shifted uh, over to a new project, which was going to be called Rogue Squadron X-Wing vs. TIE Fighter. Mm-hmm. And that was going to be an Xbox 360 exclusive, and it was going to be a massive multiplayer dogfight game, like wow. just an online dogfighting game. That got to be about 50% done uh, until Xbox decided, or well, LucasArts kind of pulled the plug on that, and then they moved over to Sony to make Layer, and uh, now any Layer should be out any minute now. So, like any Josiah, time. you've played some of the Battlefront games, right? Uh, yes, I have. And I was actually just going to say, it seems like this was right before the dive into like early 2000s Battlefront and Bounty Hunter, and there were a bunch of them that were honestly like... In that big stretch of not having a lot of great yeah. Star Wars, like we did have, like I, I mean, I remember seeing the trailer for Battlefront. And oh being yeah, like, yeah. The, the, Holy the newest shit. The newest Battlefront game has, oh, like, yes, most of yes, them have dogfighting areas, oh, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, they do. And, yeah. Like, how does that compare? It's to good. This? It's really solid. I, so I bought Battlefront Two when it was on sale at some point, mm. and I think I spent fifteen bucks on it, and I almost exclusively played the ship battles. And mm. I mean, it's the best. How could you ever get tired of? flying an X-Wing and blowing up TIE yeah. Fighters. Like, that's... I, I liked the Battlefront games on Xbox, like 1 and 2. I never played the new ones, but yeah, I Yeah, they're, they're fine. You yeah. know, they get a lot of shit, but they're they're fine. I feel but, like most of the shit they get is based on sort of pricing models. And yes, like, exactly. Yeah, but, yeah. but then, you know, they've done that thing where... I haven't played it in probably two years, but they do that thing where they get enough backlash that they're like, okay, we're going to release a hundred new maps and characters oh, for yeah. free. So yeah. as long as you they only kind of buy play back in that, increments of two every yeah, couple years... Yeah, just years. wait until it's been out for a couple years and then... Well, cool. I think that takes us to the end of all I have to say about Rogue Squadron. Do you guys have anything else to add before we uh, move on to our letters? I I will say this game, um, I had pretty fond memories of it and pretty high hopes coming in. And it was, you know, fun playing it with you guys, but it didn't quite live up to my expectations. Hmm. Um, just because it is such like a graphically heavy game, it's frustrating to not be able to see stuff a lot of the time. It was a very similar problem that I had for Battle for Naboo, and yeah. I think that I blamed that game a lot, um, and I see that, oh, somehow it just didn't bother me as much when it was sort of de facto, but in going back, it makes it a lot tougher. Yeah. Um, and I do feel like, yeah, I just, I feel like we haven't talked about the game a whole lot, but it's basically what you want from your Star Wars dogfighting game. Yeah, it's and pretty simple. It's pretty straight down the line in what it tries to do. Do you guys, are you, would you have preferred it if there were reenacting of scenes from the movies, or do you prefer this, like, um, sort of in between areas you haven't seen approach. I I like the in between areas uh, personally because I think there's a lot of there's a lot of time in there that needs to be explored, yeah. especially in that particular period. I, I'm yeah I'm I'm fine with it not being scenes from the movies like you were saying like we've all played the Hoth mission uh, yeah. in different forms and I I I definitely uh, there is a lot of shared DNA between this game and Battle for Naboo, but it's implemented so much better and i i think that it it does part of it does come down to a certain nostalgia that i feel with an x-wing that i don't feel with whatever ship i had in battle for naboo i can't even recall it was some stupid some stupid speeder thing and i feel like that counts for a lot there's so much star wars stuff i feel like that counts like that feel like you're lo- everyone's looking for something very specific from their star wars i just wars. wish i had a more solid reason other than well i just like it yeah <laughs> uh but yeah no i, I th- a big part of the difference in how i feel about those two games has to do with how i feel about the the movie that the first one was based on and yeah so i mean yeah this, this one did come out before the battle for naboo yeah it um did. 
do we have do you have something to say? We, well, we yeah, I was just I was just gonna say I, I think you're right. I think the in between is kind of it's kind of what everybody loved about Rogue One, right? Like yeah. we can get stormtroopers and we can get X wings, mm-hmm. but we don't have to necessarily do the exact mm-hmm. same characters doing the exact same thing. Um, I think maybe now I'm sort of getting to the point where I'm ready to move on and do yeah. some new stuff in Star Wars. But yeah, um, but yeah, I, I thought it was I thought it was really fun. And you're right, not having to take down walkers again is kind of nice. <laughs> it's pretty great. Well, let's move on to all of our rankings. Right now we have, uh, Woody and I have 214 games on this list. This would be 215. Uh, Dan and Josiah have quite a few, not quite that many. Uh, Let's start with you, Josiah. Right now your top game is NFL Blitz 2001. Your bottom game is Vigilante 8 Second Offense. Where does this rank? (laughs) Well, I mean, Vigilante 8 was pretty good. Pretty great. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, I, I think I can say this is probably the best game I've played. It's the one that, you know, yeah. if I could get it on my PlayStation Classic, I would, and I would mm. play it. Um, I we've, can't we've really say that about a lot many of the other ones. Like, Blitz is fun. I like Blitz, but yeah. uh, definitely, like, you know, X-Wings kick it up a notch for me. <laughs> Absolutely. So you want Blitz with X-Wings. That's all Blitz I've ever wanted, gameplay. Woody. Is Blitz it too much to ask for? <laughs> NFL Blitzwings. Let's do it. fucked. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Woody, how about yourself? Um, I would much rather play Blitz. Um, <laughs> I, this game is fine, but like I said, it didn't quite live up to the expectations. I think that initial thrill of reliving these Star Wars moments has been done better since since then, um, which does make this game a little tougher to go back to. Putting it number 55 on my list, which is right below Conker's Bad Fur Day and right above Space Station Silicon Valley. Okay. All right. Dan, how about yourself? Right now, Space top- Station Silicon Valley, the one with the weird clowns. No, no, that's that was Starshot. Star okay. Uh, right now, Dan, your top game is Rampage 2 Universal Tour, and your bottom game is Star Wars Episode One: Battle for Naboo. Yeah, oh. so I've, I've watched or played <laughs> 16 <laughs> games yeah. uh, with you all. Um, this one actually is quite close to the top, which is pretty surprising because of all that shared DNA with Battle for Naboo, but I put it under Rampage World Tour. Okay. And just above Donald Duck going quackers. All right. (laughs) Yeah, that's your number three game there. I really enjoyed it. Absolutely. Um, I think uh, I'm landing right about where Woody landed as well. Uh, This is going to be my new number 56 which puts it right above, uh, um, Donkey Kong, or right below. I'm sorry, right below Donkey Kong 64. Um, yeah, this this is a fantastic little uh, flying game. I think it's really fun. It's uh, it's hard. It's definitely hard. Yeah. It's challenging. But, I mean, but... I do think that's what you want. Like, since this game is only a single player game, I'm guessing there's what like 15 missions at most. Yeah. Um, and probably if you know what you're doing, you're going to complete them in about four minutes yeah so yeah, you really sure. need it to be hard to actually get some value in this thing yeah absolutely well and we mentioned it with the medals but i i've always appreciated i mean that's a big tony hawk thing right like getting to replay the level but go yeah. for different challenges and and t- attack it at different angles i appreciate that yeah there's yeah. a similar uh function in or this they do a similar thing in the x-wing and tie fighter games where uh, i i replayed a lot of missions solo just to to get that better ranking so yeah replayability Absolutely. Well, let's move on to our letters. We've got some great letters this week. Uh, remember, if you want to write into us, ultra64podcast at gmail.com. We love getting letters from people. Like this one. Hello, Stephen Woody. Sorry, you guys got shut out this time. Bullshit. They I... sent me a separate letter. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll answer that off air. <laughs> 
Uh, I come from the cold and mysterious northern lands of Sweden. Ooh. I just wanted to say thank you. You're not you. going to read the letter in your hilarious Swedish you know, accent? I'm going to I'm going to not this time. Just not this time. Trying once. to keep that listener around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wasn't, didn't we talk about Laplanders recently? We did, yeah, yeah. That's probably what this letter's about. I don't even yeah, know. I don't even know. Uh, I just want to say thank you for a great podcast and tell you that it's one of those little things that have made my life a little bit better. Aww. Thank you. I've listened to a lot of your podcasts since I discovered it in November of last year, usually when I'm bored out of my mind or when I'm having <laughs> trouble sleeping. Hey, we can, can we, we put can that on the, on the like box art for our, our podcast? <laughs> I usually listen to when I'm bored out of my mind. <laughs> I probably have 20 or so episodes I haven't listened to yet, but I'm in no hurry because then I'll be running out of Nintendo 64 related things to listen to. I know the lovely... Low poly foggy mip mapped uh, graph. I may have misspelled that. Mip map graphics may not have aged well in the public's eye, nor the controllers. Still, there is a surprising lack of love for the console in the current year. Due to an unfortunate chain of events, I suffer from severe PTSD, and my mind has been a bit of a mess for the last few years. Hence, I very much appreciate something fun and lighthearted to keep on my mind while uh, from wandering in the wrong direction. I was like a child finding a new toy when for some reason I searched for Nintendo 64 among the podcasts on Spotify and I found you guys, the single best and the single and best Nintendo 64 <laughs> podcast on the internet. Um, this is a bit of a longer one, sorry. Uh, I thought I'd share some memories since honestly you're my best bet in anybody wanting to hear. Yes. Uh, when I was five years old, my cousin introduced me to Nintendo 64. As a child who had never played a video game before, I was stunned. I still remember this moment fondly. He uh, led me through the door to his parents' room where a TV set stood for uh, on a stand with a strange machine on the floor beneath it. My cousin and one of his friends were playing Smash me Brothers. In. <laughs> <laughs> I remember the stage being Congo Jungle in Smash Brothers, Donkey Kong versus Fox. Um, Man, yeah, this so kid, this guy's got a great memory. Oh, yeah, I can't, yeah. I can't remember yeah. things that happened yesterday. <laughs> um, I remember uh, the, the map changed to Saffron City. I remember I was mesmerized when I saw the intro cinematic and saw a Pikachu and a Pokeball, not knowing what it was, because this was before P Pokemon had reached Sweden. Oh. I got to try it later, and of course I loved it. Uh, we would eventually come to play GoldenEye 007, which we did in secrecy because we knew it was too violent. <laughs> Still, we had a blast chasing, chasing each other around. I always had a Nintendo 64 plugged into the TV as an adult, and it's become tradition to play with my friends whenever I host gatherings. Oh. For years, we've screamed and laughed at Mario Tennis, Mario Party, Mario Kart, and Smash Brothers, as well as having some late-night deep talks while playing Mario Golf. Summer nights like that are when I've been the happiest. It's not really because of the Nintendo 64, but it's closely related. My question to you, what are some of your best childhood gaming-related memories, preferably including the N64? Thanks again for the great podcast. All the best, and shout out to Simple Flips. And that is from Jimmy. So, Jimmy, thank Jimmy. you so much for writing. Um, that's I don't know. That just that really meant a lot. That you know he he's he struggles and that he kind of yeah. comes to us to to help with that. And that's I don't know. I found that very touching. And thank you. And I hope you're doing all right, Jimmy. It's it's interesting always to hear uh, European perspectives because he was talking about how the console doesn't get a lot of love in Sweden. Yeah. And I feel like here, like there's a lot of nostalgia for the N64. Yeah. Um, and I just wonder if that was different, like sort of the way a lot of European countries have a nostalgia for the Master System and not the NES. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, so yeah. So that went the same way. Um, in answer to his question, one thing that comes to mind off the top of my head is playing games with my brother, because my brother's a lot older than I am. Mm. Um, we didn't always get along that well. Um, but I definitely remember times where he would introduce me to games. Um, he would always kick my butt. Mm. Um, but it was... It, I feel like my mom was okay with us playing Mortal Kombat because it was one of the few times that we were getting along when yeah. we were killing each other in Mortal Kombat. Whereas <laughs> yeah. if I was just playing it by myself, she'd be like, no, you can't play that. But it was it was okay if I was doing it with my brother. So. Absolutely. 
I mean, I think my fondest N64 memory, I wouldn't have been a child. I would have been an early teenager at this point. But, like, uh, me and my sister used to like to hang out and play single-player video games where she would look up the strategy guide and kind of navigate for me while I played. She just kind of liked doing it that way. Um, like, so, she'd look it up online? Or, yeah, or, or, or like, we'd have the physical, we'd oh, buy yeah, the yeah. physical okay. manuals because our internet wasn't that fast yeah. and we didn't have phones. Um, but, yeah, she would she would kind of navigate. And that's the way I played the first Banjo-Kazooie was with her navigating, me playing. We had the volume on mute. We were listening so to a Green Day your, CD. she was your Kazooie. She was my Kazooie. Oh yeah, my she was goodness. my Kazooie. She's also navigated me through Resident Evil Code Veronica and, like, uh, Grand Theft Auto 3, a whole bunch of games. So shout out to my sister for being a good navigator. <laughs> um, how about you guys? Yeah, um, mine's not necessarily an N64 memory, but uh, there was a day that I got out of, uh, I think it was fourth or fifth grade, and my parents were picking my brother and sister and I up from school, and we got in the car, and they were like, oh, by the way, you know, we got our tax returns, so we got you guys Game Boy Advances. And I never had a Game Boy, I never had a Game Boy Color, I never had anything, and it was the greatest day of my life. We got Yoshi's Island, and we got a big book, so I know where every single dragon coin (laughs) in that damn game is, because I memorized it, and that was a great memory. The Game Boy Advance was so much, but like, it's amazing when you look back, like, at this time, people were playing Game Boy Color. Oh my god, the Game Boy Color is so hard to play. It's rough, man. But you go, play Game Boy Advance games hold up very well. That's a so good fresh yeah. Yeah. I love the Game Boy Advance. How about you, Dan? I, I mean, I grew up with computer games more than video games, and I was playing with my brother a lot. Uh, but in terms of like video game console stuff, uh, in elementary school, after school, I would go... Uh, I'm sure, like at the time, I was not aware of the... Like, the logistical practicalities of keeping track of your child uh, <laughs> but my parents had arranged for me to go to my friend Mike Calloway's house every day uh, shout after out to school. Mike <laughs> yeah. so yeah Mike Calloway and well shout out to Mike's parents uh, so yeah they uh, Marsha Calloway would give me uh, a pop tart and we would sit down and play Jaws on the on the NES or we, we, which is not a good game but Ooh. I sure loved it I never figured, how do you win that game I I'll tell you Marsha Calloway showed me how to win <laughs> yes what lovely 50 year old lady who sat down and she you gotta you gotta spear that shark she's like I, you need like a bigger boat Jaws 4, you gotta spear it with the bow of the, sh- the ship oh, how do you get on the ship though <laughs> I, I never understood that. I would just go yeah. underwater, and then a bunch of little fish would come, and I'm like, "Where's the shark?" The shark comes. Okay. Yeah. Well, and then you <laughs> oh, can't the kill it. It's you. like it's <laughs> like it's like Jason in Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, it'll kill you. So yeah, well, no. My, Michael Calloway's house was my my. And it's good to hear nostalgia game. for Jaws. There's, yeah. I, I love nostalgia for like Terrible I love games things. where you're like the only person who has nostalgia for it. <laughs> oh yeah, mine is uh, Stargate for the Genesis. Okay. <laughs> that was one of the three games we had, and I played the hell out of that. Uh, so thank you very much, Jimmy. Hope you're doing all right, and thank you for writing in. Um, For our next letter, hey, guys, and possible guests. Oh, guests, singular, so one of you has to die. Um, I just wanted to ask some general questions. For starters, I wanted to know what both your guys' most expensive game is. I also want to know what your top three favorite games of all time are. And last but not least, why do you hate Mario Sunshine so much? <laughs> I'm not going to go so far as to say it's better than Mario 64. No, you're but not, because that would be crazy. But it's still an incredible game and really benefits from the GameCube controller. Love the show. Your 13-year-old friend, Isaac. Thank you, oh, Isaac. Thanks, Isaac. The, Isaac just comes out with the big questions. Well, okay, I'm going to take the last one first. I don't hate Mario Sunshine. I, I, there are no 
bad Mario games. This is just the worst Mario game, I think. Yeah. I, I think the, the, the water controls... The water controls are insane. They're like, too weird. You have to, like, press the button a little bit. Like, it was clear they were trying to build it around the GameCube controller. But, like, a pressure-sensitive amount of things does not work. No. And also, the jetpack makes it a lot less fun. Because yeah. you can kind of hover, which gets rid of, like, the speed and precision of playing as Mario. Like, to me, the most fun levels of that game are when they get rid of the jetpack yeah. and they play like that kick in uh, ska yeah, remix yeah, of the yeah. Mario theme um, and yeah I don't know it just feels very unpolished all the levels kind of feel the same because they're the, all just tropical themed that's my problem with yeah. it like everything like in, in most Mario games you get oh ice world lava world castle world now this is just this is just I tropical mean, yeah just when you're sandwiched between Mario 64 and Mario Galaxy oh, yeah. it's just it's, it's, it's so much worse it's a bad position those. to be in but uh, as for top three favorite games, oh my god. Just do it really fast. My top three, uh, off the top of my head, Super Metroid, Final Fantasy VI, Portal 2. Great. Those are my three. Um, Those are my three. Final Fantasy VI, ESPN, 2K5, uh, Guitar Hero. Okay. You guys? Guitar you guys Hero 2. I'm going to go uh, Ratchet and Clank. I'm going to go Crash Team Racing. Nice. And I'm going to go... Uh, Rockman won. Like it's okay. probably up there. Yeah. All right. All right. Was it the best favorite console game? No, just any games. games of all time. Jaws, NES, yeah. <laughs> Battle yeah. for Naboo, and oh, Rogue no. Squadron. No, no, no. Europa Universalis. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, let's see what else. Uh, uh, Rome, Total War, mm. and uh, Bard's Tale Three. Nice. Great. Good calls. And then his last question there is, what is the most expensive game in the collection? I think it's Clay Fighter, actually. I think Clay uh, Fighter yeah. Collector's Cut or Director's Cut is my most expensive. Uh, mine is Hagane, um, which is a Super Nintendo block. It was a rental exclusive. Um, that's the most valuable game I own. All right, next letter here. Uh, hello, Steve Woody, and insert guest names here. Hey, hey I guess I was that's supported. Dan and Josiah. Okay. I was, you, you were supposed to it. insert the names. No, I thought they wanted to okay, insert it's, it. It's anyway. been done. Uh, I'm a Smash super fan and love listening to your episodes on Smash 64 and Melee. Nice. I that figured, double dip. Yeah. I figured, considering your love of trivia and weird knowledge, you guys might appreciate some neat facts about the series. We so would. here's a few fun ones I know. Fun fact one. Did you know Smash 64 was originally a plan to have four more characters? Bowser, Marth, King DDD, and Meowth were all planned initially Whoa. for the game, but got cut due to time constraints. The first three eventually made it into later games, but poor Meowth never got a second chance. Mm-hmm. Melee gave the Pokemon villain spot to Mewtwo, and the series never looked back. What do you think would have been like if Marth had come out in the N64 game? It would be a whole would, lot of shrugs. We would be all baffled for, for even longer. Yeah. About Fire Emblem. Yeah. yeah. He was, it, it was a Fire Emblem character, which was significant because oh. there had been no Fire Emblem games released in the U.S. yet. Yeah. Uh, fact two, uh, the motion sensor bomb in Smash 64 and Melee is actually the same one as the one from Goldeneye. Its trophy oh. in Melee lists its origin as top secret as a shout out to Bond's undercover nature, but the d- design is identical. After Rare got bought out, the design was changed for Brawl and Beyond, but a little bit of the other N64 multiplayer sn- staple snuck into Smash anyway. That's nice. That's a fun fact. Uh, fun fact three, Ridley is the only game, uh, the only character to cameo in every prior Smash game before getting a roster spot in Ultimate. He's in the background on Planet Zebus in 64. He fights Samus in the intro in Melee, is a boss in Brawl, was a stage boss in Smash 4, and 20 years later, he finally, finally gets a well-deserved playable character, and now he's my main. Oh, nice. Uh, he's a fun character to play, actually. He's pretty fun. Uh, fun fact four, there's a trick to properly pronouncing the name of Smash Kirby's creator. Uh, simply pronounce it as Soccer Eye without the pause for the dash. So Soccer Eye. It should come in handy when you talk about Kirby 64 in the future. That's good to know. 
Uh, so that good. was that was maybe like that was a very very subtle jab. Like it was very oh, yeah. well yeah. done. Oh, yeah. it like, might yeah. be helpful yeah. for you one day. Yeah. Like, it's like a way of telling you that you messed up without explicitly. Yeah, I think I'm gonna wake up, up later. I'm like that guy shaded me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, some good we got beef. Some good news for Woody, who I think uh, was the one asking about Ninja Gaiden's Ryu Hayabusa. An insider online who had correct information about Piranha Plant Hero and Banjo-Kazooie said that Nintendo negotiated the rights for Hayabusa as well, so he's almost definitely one of the remaining six Ooh, DLC fighters. That is exciting. And in More a similar vein, everything. I'm surprised that no one, uh, between the four of you, no one brought up Crash Bandicoot as an addition. Sure, he's associated with Sony like Laura Croft, but he's actually owned by Activision now, which is oh. why his latest games have been on the Switch. Steve, you're going to get more people writing in. It's Laura Croft. Oh, excuse me. You're right. You're right. That's a bad habit I have. I, uh, um, I'd also like to throw out, uh, throw a shout out to Dixie Kong, who I think is sorely missed absence from the DK selection. And finally, I'm curious what you guys think of the whole Geno situation. I pers- <laughs> the Geno situation. <laughs> the Geno situation. What's uh, your take? <laughs> I personally find it impressive that such a dedicated fan base has managed to hang on this long to a character has, who has almost nothing else going for him. It'd be neat to see him, if nothing else, than for reward and dedication. Anyway, thanks for the fun podcast. Keep up the good work. I can't wait to hear what you guys have coming up. Peace, Jamal. Thanks, Thank you, Jamal. Jamal. I love the term Geno situation. The Geno situation. What is the Geno So Geno is a character from Super Mario RPG that fans have kind of been stumping for to bring back in the Smash games. He's the he cloud, right? He was a, no, that's no, he's the cloud. He's You're a right. to, No, he's a toy yeah, that yeah. comes to yeah, life. Yeah, he's yeah, like yeah, a weird yeah, elf guy he, he who looks, shoots stars out of his arm he looks like a harlequin he's kind of an unpleasant character he only appeared in that game but apparently people <laughs> like him enough that they've been stumping for him to be in smash alongside waluigi the problem is with these little like there's so many bigger characters that like you don't want to waste a slot on gino oh, like no. it's a weird like jokey pick yeah but, yeah yeah you, you know if it's one of these things where it's like be careful what you wish for because people will be like yeah we gotta get some Gino back in here it's like a weird like deep cut and then they put him in and you're like you know I would have rather had a character that I liked yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. with Smash just go Gonzo and let people download purchase whatever stupid character oh like, like Gonzo like Gon- I want a Muppet sure, in there are you like, kidding I me just, no, I know that there's like a competitive element where people really like build their whole lives around this yeah. game, and it's it like there's money on the line. But um, why? It's, since it's such a huge hit, mm-hmm. why not just keep pumping out? I, more I think DLC? they're going to. I think they're getting well, closer to like. I, I'm convinced Master Chief is showing up at some point. Oh, and I hope that, like, so. Probably the next iteration, they'll throw in Master Chief. and I think, yeah, they're getting to the point where they're like, just put everyone in there. Who cares? Yeah. Well, what do you point out? It's kind of like a, it's a celebration of video games as a medium, so it's not really just becoming like one... Platform. One thing that they did do um, is you can essentially play as Cuphead in that game because you can With just the buy the outfit for your me costume, yeah. and then it's just he basically animates like you're playing as Cuphead, and I think that would work really well for mm. Gino sure. if they wanted to put that in. But and I I didn't know that about Crash. Like that's oh, yeah, the reason yeah. that I didn't I didn't think about it. Yeah. Also, I like haven't played a Crash game in like twenty years. It's been a while. All right, we have one last letter, and I kept this. Uh, this is not directly related to N64, but he's looking for game advice. And I, I have a very quick answer for this, and I think Woody will have the same one. Uh, Woody and Steve, so I know very little about video games, and I'm looking for some <laughs> game recommendations as well as help understanding something I know nothing about. So my is wife... This from my mom? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to connect with my son. Yeah. <laughs> He's got a podcast. So, so my wife okay, picked up... I guess the, it's not from my mom. <laughs> so my wife picked up the Xbox One uh, all-digital edition for my 13-year-old daughter. Honestly, she and her sister play nothing but Minecraft, so it works for them. 
I'm looking for some game recommendations for me because I've never had an Xbox before and I don't know what's available in a digital format. I enjoy games with RPG elements, but mostly hack and slashers with uh, loot and upgradable uh, up characters. They can be pretty simple like Baldur's Gate or pretty expansive like Skyrim, but I'm not a gamer per se, so I don't really know what's out there. Is there any downloadable stuff that comes to mind? Also, even some fun stuff I can play with my 9 and 13 year old daughters. And sorry for the length, is there any trick to finding good digital downloads for a good price? Thanks, fellas, and I love the Patreon content. Everyone should join. Ooh, and that's nice. from our friend uh, Doug, who co-hosted on uh, our Worms Armageddon episode. Oh, and nice. He hosts Good Times, Great Movies, so check that out. I have a one-word answer for you. Maybe it's two words. Game Pass. Get a Game oh, Pass. Yeah. because. I almost, that is the right answer. Doug, I almost feel like you're uh, like a commercial for Game Pass at this point because the, you are the exact person this is targeted to. It's a monthly uh, subscription service, I think like 15 bucks a month. And for that, you can download and try hundreds of games. It's uh, crazy how many games they give so you. So many games. And there's everything. There's stuff for your kids. There's stuff for you. There's, there's, you can, it, and this is great for you getting back into gaming because you can sample something. See, okay, this isn't for me. Delete it. Try something else. Uh, the roster is constantly changing and updating. Game Pass, hundred percent worth it. They're really good games on there too. Really like good games. I, I've, I've looked a little bit of Game Pass. I've looked more at PlayStation Now, which yeah. is the same sort of yeah. thing. But it's like award-winning games that oh, are on. And, like it is worth. And they the, come the out very, that, very new. Like some well, games will come out and get right to Game Pass. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I bought uh, Xbox One fairly recently, a couple weeks ago. And I made the mistake of buying some games with it, and then I immediately got Game Pass, and yeah, all what? the games I'd bought in physical condition were on Outer that. Outer Worlds, right? Like yeah. that one went straight to it. Yeah, straight to it. Yeah, Outer Worlds is brand. Actually, Outer Worlds might be a great game for Doug because that's like a Skyrim style yeah. RPG set in space. Really good uh, starting one. Yeah, and I mean the disadvantage of it is if you stop paying for Game Pass, you lose access to those mm-hmm. games. Yeah, but like you would have to. The amount of games that they give you, you could pay for Game Pass like for two years straight, and you'd be paying less than you would be if you were buying the games. Yeah, and it, I mean, I, I'm not familiar with this particular service, but yeah, that would be a way that you could find the games that you do like if you did want to purchase them. Absolutely, that's the best way to go. Uh, good luck with that, Doug. Let us know how it all goes. The other um, thing I said, I would say really quick, he he talked about wanting like to to know the best place to buy digital ga- or like the oh, best. Oh yeah, way. finding deals. I yeah, would look. There's there's a subreddit for like PlayStation deals, and I would look similarly for Xbox. And there's usually like one day a week that they w- will like kick in a whole thirty mm. new deals or whatever, and you get stuff for really cheap. Yeah. yeah, you know where the best deals are, at least where we live, is at the public library. Where oh yeah, zero dollars. I picked up Rocket League today for the PS4, and I'm gonna have some fun playing that game. And I'll give it back in three weeks. But you know what? I can pick it up again if I want it. Well, yeah. also, you can give it back later because we won't even charge you That's late right. fines. Yeah. Exactly. Shout out to Whitehead Public Support. Library getting, rid of, this, getting rid, of, rid of late fees. All right, everybody. We have gone long tonight. Thank you, everybody, for these letters. I love getting letters. Uh, so thank you so much for sharing those. Um, again, that's ultra64podcast at gmail.com if you want to write in. That's also our social media address and everything like that. We have a Patreon account, patreon.com slash ultra64pod. Lots of great episodes on there. We just played a game called Coldcept. Coldcept. If you're into weird board gamey Magic the Gathering hybrid slash Monopoly, you might enjoy it. And I can say officially, I'm all in on this genre. <laughs> yeah. I bought the I game... Deluxe edition sitting on your desk. And I'm having a lot of fun with it. So uh, check that content out. Uh, Thank you so much to our Star Wars nerds for being in here tonight. Thank you for having me as always. Thank you so much for uh, for providing some expertise on this. This is our last Star Wars game for this show. So thank you for helping us close it out with style. As a quick closeout, what's your guys' favorite Star Wars movie? 
favorite what? movie? Yeah, movie. Star Wars movie. I mean, Empire. Yeah. What? The Last Jedi. I yeah, love The right. Last Jedi I'll so write. much. My God. Good movie. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's that's probably mine too. Actually, I have to say. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, truth. Oh, uh, oh, sure. Last Jedi. Why the hell not? Nice. Hey, yeah. That's right. right. Well, everybody, uh, tune in next week when we are going to be digging into another Disney property. That's right. We are going to be playing the game version of A Bug's Life. And oh, that uh, game rocks. Really <laughs> rocks. Really? Have fun with that. That game. Okay, I'm ex- ass. We that have a, so fun. We have a full throated endorsement for uh, Bug's Life so far. I'm sure we'll probably watch the movie before we play that too, just to keep up tradition. So uh, is that the sequel to Ants with Woody Allen? Direct we, we sequel. Will, we will yeah, go yeah. into that. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, until next time, kapu kapu, everyone. Pews, pews all around. I've lost our two. Oh damn it. Okay. Well, he's lost our two. Pewsa. <laughs> Night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>